Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thirteen ten WIBA and Ask the Experts joined in studio this morning by Dr. Nicole Hamkiss of Advocate MD, a direct primary care practice. You can learn more about Advocate MD online. The website advocatesdpc.com. That's advocatesdpc.com. Telephone number for Dr. Hemkiss if you want to make an appointment: 608-268-6211. That's 268-6211. Again, you can learn more online advocatesdpc.com. Or if you have questions, and who doesn't have questions right now? Now, the doctor's a great resource, whether it's about coronavirus or other questions about uh, maybe your your current uh, health care. If you've got some questions for the doctor, she's a great resource. We'll get you on the air right now at 321-1310. That's 321-1310. Without any further ado, Dr. Hemkiss, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sean. How are you? I'm doing really well. And I had somebody call me, uh, was it yesterday? It's weird how the days are getting. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it was Tuesday and somebody uh, asking about you and asking about the show. And the question he had, too, was how do you spell the doctor's last name and oh sure it's like everyone i'm assuming always puts an i in there somewhere or they like to put a p in there like hemp kiss oh, you know yeah. i don't know that seems to be a common thing it's h-e-m-k-e-s yes exactly the the e's sound like eyes i think yeah it's, yeah it's kind of a hard last name so if you're wondering yes dr Hemkiss with two e's no eyes and of course uh, she's the owner and medical director at advocate md and doctor yesterday you did a um a facebook um what do they call those there's a facebook live yeah, yeah. Facebook live chat, which was awesome. I was watching, as were others. And um, let's talk a little bit about some of the questions you received. Um, people are, this is something when it comes to coronavirus, people are concerned. And I think we're all trying to, to kind of take it in stride and try not to go, you know, go too far. But it is something that, that is kind of scary for people, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, part of the reason for, you know, I've been a lot more active on the Facebook and through email, especially with my patients is because, you know, this is the time where when people are told to stay at home and so they start going on the Internet or, you know, listening to the TV and all these things. And so, um, you know, I don't want people to be overly anxious, but also I do want them to be very cautious and take this you know, seriously, obviously. Um, so I thought that um, putting more reliable information and kind of breaking down some of, you know, you can look at a lot of different sources and maybe you're seeing conflicting information coming out of different places. So maybe having a person that they can rely on to kind of give them the the basic facts of what's going on and um, that that would be helpful to people. So, so yeah, we had some people come on the Facebook Live um, and, you know, the other thing with this coronavirus mm -hmm. is that the information seems to be changing almost daily, right? So we're looking at things like, you know, the information coming out of not only China, Italy, France, you know, the countries in Europe now that are being hit, you know, very hard by this. And we're what the medical community, the research community is compiling all of this data and trying to, to you know, see some commonalities, see some, you know, symptoms that people seem to have, you know, map out trends to say, you know, this is how long people are symptomatic. This is how long they can be contagious. This is how long people should be self-isolating and all of these things. And I know that there's been 
a lot of people understandably frustrated with, um, you know, the, the changing facts as far as, you know, first initially they said gatherings of 250 and then it was 100 and then now it's 10. But honestly, I think 10 is, is probably a good number, um, maybe even less than 10, because the idea is that the less people that you're standing around with, the less chance that one of those people standing in that crowd has it. But what we're finding more recently that's very interesting um, you know, even over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of articles and studies coming out showing that the time that people are the most contagious with corona is the week prior to showing any symptoms and then the first week of symptoms. So so that tells us that, you know, there's a lot of people walking around now that feel great, um, that aren't having, you know, a sore throat or a fever or a cough. And they could have coronavirus because they've been at some some point exposed to somebody and they're still in that incubation period. But we know now that even without showing any symptoms, you can be transmitting that to somebody else. Is that partially what makes it so so such an epidemic is is because it's you know, you're, if you're spreading it around for so long with no symptoms, most of us, we see symptoms, we start to isolate. But Exactly. I think that's one of the, the th- big theories going around is that that's why it's spread so quickly. And, you know, so people that were feeling great. And again, I think initially they might not have understood this part of it, that you could be asymptomatic and be spreading it to other people. Um, and that's actually the time where it's most contagious. So, yeah, people walking around, riding public transportation, going to work, going to school, and they're transmitting it to a bunch of people. Um, and I, I don't remember if we told the story last week of the attorney in, in New York that basically within a, a 48-hour period, they're thinking he infected maybe 100 people. because, And he wasn't doing anything really out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. In his case, he actually did have some cold-like symptoms. This was in the beginning of the corona you know, pandemic where we didn't really maybe know all the, the facts or maybe we weren't identifying cases in the very beginning. But, you know, he had traveled, did a work trip. I don't think it was even international, but came home, you know, infected his family. Then he went to church, infected his church, you know, went to some other gathering, like a birthday party or something and infected people there. And, you know, people that he rode in a car with. So yes, it can be spread, you know, very easily, you know, very similar to the the common cold, you cough, you sneeze. The other part that's very unique about Corona that is not true of other respiratory uh, viral illnesses is that and this is also something we found out in the last just few days is how long it can stay on surfaces. So that's why, you know, Sean decontaminated the whole area <laughs> <Yes>. here. <laughs> you know, did you lice all the, you know, the mic and the, you know, the countertops? So what we're finding out now, I think initially when this, you know, a week ago, they were saying that maybe three to six hours or three to nine hours, this would stay on surfaces. Now what they're saying is that for paper or cardboard cardboard surfaces, so for example, you know, hypothetically, you get a package delivered in a cardboard box, um, and the person that touched it previously, that can stay on cardboard for 24 hours. They're mm. saying plastic surfaces, or you know, what's pretty much laminate countertops, like most you know workplaces have two to three days so so somebody touches you know a reception desk and two days later somebody comes up and touches that desk and then forgets to you know sanitize or wash their hands and then you know touch their face because we know that we all touch our face multiple times a day so that's another reason why i think that this is being spread so quickly Um, and that's another reason why for most medical clinics including my own um, you know, we all pretty much made the decision this week, even though I have a much lower volume clinic and I don't have people sitting in my waiting room. So that wasn't the concern. But the concern is that if this thing stays on countertops for two to three days and, and it's supposedly what they're saying, too, is 
even though it's droplet, so it's transmitted droplet, but they're they're saying that we should almost take respiratory precautions, which would mean that, you know, I, I should have worn a mask into the studio today, but I did not. Um, but that these droplets can hang around the air for two to three hours. Mm. Um, and in most cases, it would be it would more likely be somebody that was coughing a lot and putting out this, you know, the, the virus out into the air, not typically just regular breathing. Um, but, you know, if these droplets are kind, kind of hanging out in the air. But yeah, I think in most cases, people are touching surfaces that have something on it and then, you know, touching their mouth or eating and that sort of thing. And you mentioned things in the air. I saw uh, something from the ADA for the dentist saying that, uh, you know, most people are, are getting, if they've got just their routine cleaning and stuff, they're being canceled as it creates, the, you know, the, the 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 filing and all the, I don't, I don't, I don't like <laughs> basically creates an aerosol, which can, yes. which can ca- create infections. Uh, doctor, you and I had a conversation too. I think it was last week. It's funny how everything kind of blends together as we were walking out here. I was telling you we were planning on at that time going on vacation. We've since changed it. And one of the, one of the points you made with me, and I think it's important that people realize this is even if you don't have, you know, you know, you know, a, a compromised immune system, diabetes, those type of things. Um, and, and if you get this, I think my attitude was, I get it, I get it. It's not the worst thing that happened. You pointed out kind of keeping yourself healthy for the same reason why we get vaccines, uh, to keep yourself healthy, but also keep others who may have those things. You don't want to spread this stuff around. Exactly. And so, I mean, what they're saying, you know, on, on the one hand, we don't want people to be in fear, like, you know, this is the plague. And if you get it, you're, you know, every, every person is going to die. Obviously, that's not happening or going to happen. But on the other hand, this is much more severe than fl- influenza, which is something that we experience every winter. Um, they're saying initially they said 10 times as severe uh, in terms of the mortality as influenza. Now I've seen statistics saying it could be even like, you know, 20 to 30 times as severe as influenza in terms of the mortality statistics. Um, but what we know is that of everyone who contracts corona, 20% of those people will need to be hospitalized. Um, the other 80% will just get, you know, anywhere from a, a cold-like symptoms to like probably a severe cold slash flu and they stay at home and they have the body aches and the chills and the coughing. Um, but they don't need to be, you know, they don't, they're not elderly. They don't have immunocompromise. They don't have chronic respiratory illnesses requiring that they go into a hospital. But this is the biggest fear. And, you know, so I'm on a lot of, obviously, a lot of doctors' forums. Mm. And there's been even, uh, you know, I would say all these spinoff groups happening in the past, you know, couple weeks after Corona was, um, you know, came into more attention. And and what you keep seeing, you know, day after day is that physicians, and, and I no longer work in the hospital setting. I used to. Um, physicians are really operating with minimal PPE, we call it personal protective equipment. So that personal protective equipment both protects me as a physician from getting the virus. Mm -hmm. It also protects the patient if I have some symptoms from having, you know, getting sick from me. Um, But what they're seeing is that you know, a, reg- a regular uh, protective face mask that you would see, you know, when you see cold and flu season and they say put on this mask while you're sitting in the waiting room, that isn't enough for this particular virus. You need one of these N95 masks, which, you know, are in a shortage now. And so they're reaching out to the construction industry and other industries that use these masks probably for like asbestos or other things. Um, so it's, they're trying to get more of these masks pr- produced, but right now we don't have enough of them. So what we see, even this morning, I saw a doctor posting that is saying she's wearing a regular face mask in her office, and they're also having to reuse these masks that we normally would just throw out mm-hmm. in between each patient because we just don't have enough of them. 
But imagine if, um, you know, those 20% of people that need to be hospitalized, um, and again, since this is anywhere from 10 to 30 times as severe as the flu, um, I, I don't remember, there's hundreds of thousands of people across the, our country that need to be hospitalized every year for the flu. And, you know, some on a bad flu season, about 60,000 people will die, um, but, but many more hundreds of thousands are hospitalized. But imagine, multiply that by, by 10, and we only have, you know, aside from having enough medical staff, we only have a certain number of respir, you know, ventilators. Um, we only have a certain number of ICU beds. We only have a certain number of the the equipment um, and staff that are needed to take care of these patients. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're trying to say, you know, healthy people, middle-aged people, young people, if you can stay healthy, then you will decrease the chance that, you know, people that are more susceptible to this will get sick. And then those people won't need to be hospitalized and use, you know, you, you know, basically what happens when we run out of, of this equipment that we need. And I actually have a, a good friend that's an anesthesiologist um, locally here. And, you know, so she's, they're already looking at alternatives to say, how do we have, how do we manage multiple people off of one ventilator or what what alternatives do we have i know one of the articles i read said that maybe veterinary ventilators could be used for humans i mean they're, they're looking at the multiple you know kind of scenarios um and backup plans if mm-hmm. this thing gets very bad and and we're kind of following the trajectory when you look at different countries um you know italy has been hit very hard and i think one of the things we talked about last week is my kind of optimistic side would say that you know, countries like China and Italy and, and many, um, you know, European countries, you know, the United States population, both were, were different demographically, but also uh, were different in terms of how we live, how spaced out we are, how much we utilize public transportation, you know, so obviously um, Europe and, uh, you know, China, you know, there, there's a heavy population density in most, especially obviously cities in Europe. Um, they also utilize heavily, you know, public transportation. Um, countries like Italy, majority of people smoke. I think it's I think it's greater than 50% of, do- of adults smoke. So obviously we have a much lower rate of um, tobacco use and also that, you know, leads to chronic respiratory illness. China is also similar. I think greater than 50% of their adult population smokes. Um, and they also obviously have a very high population density. So my optimistic side would say that, you know, the United States is more spaced out. Maybe hopefully we have less chronic respiratory illness. Um, but but obviously we still have many, you know, elderly patients and, and also um, the population in places like Italy is, is more elderly. They have a, lot, a higher elderly population. I think they have the second oldest population in the world after Japan. So um, they, I, the statistic I read was that 60% of people are over the age of 40 in Italy. Really? So, yeah. So, and I don't know why that is, but, um, but yeah, so, so I, obviously the, the United States has a much younger, you know, leaning in the younger direction, mm-hmm. but still we have a very large population. So still the overall, you know, rate of um, infection and the rate of hospitalization and mortality could be very high here. Really interesting stuff. Talking this morning with Dr. Nicole Hemkiss of Advocate MD. Don't forget, you can learn more about uh, Dr. Hemkiss. You can also learn more about direct primary care. If you're not familiar with direct primary care, it's a really, really uh, great model. It's kind of like the the good old days of doctor-patient, no intermediaries, you don't have an insurance card, all that stuff to deal with. It's literally just working directly with the doctor. She'd love to get to know 
you. She'd love to keep you and your family healthy. Of course, if you're ready to make an appointment, you can pick up the phone and give the doctor a call, 268-6211. That's 268-6211. For more information, get to AdvocatesDPC.com. That's AdvocatesDPC.com. And, Doctor, one of the things I, I do find sometimes societally, we always everything's got to either be a 1 or a 10. And and when we're, we're approached with a 5 or maybe this is a 6 or a 7 or maybe even an 8, we tend to think it's a 10. We tend to think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, as, as you've been talking here, perspective to all of this is is very important, isn't it? It is. And, and now that you mentioned that, it makes me think of um, I have a good friend that um, lives down in Chicago, and she posted a video of her 92-year-old mother who celebrated her birthday yesterday, and she was reading off this little letter, and she talked about, you know, I was born in 1920-something, and, you know, during the polio outbreak, and I saw people survive this, and we survived the Great Depression, and, you know, my husband went off to World War II, and, you know, all of these things we have been as a country able to survive, very hard times, wars, economic depressions, all of these things, and and we will get through this, uh, but that kind of leads me. The other thing I wanted to mention is that I don't want people to feel like they don't have access to medical care. I mean, even if you're somebody that if you lose your job or you lose your health care, um, definitely th- this my clinic is a place where we would like to be able to help you. So please call us. And even if we're not seeing patients for routine exams, I'm still doing televisits. I'm doing, you know, through the video chats and also phone visits. And I am seeing patients in the clinic for urgent things, like if they need stitches or, you know, sprain their ankles, things that can't be handled via the phone. But in, in this model, again, we don't require people to have health insurance. So if you've if you're suffering from hard times and you Um, unfortunately a a lot of people I think we're going to be heading in this direction Mm -hmm. that I want people to know that they have access to um, you know good primary care really good stuff and you can learn more of course advocate DPC you can pick up phone give the doctor a call 608-268-6211 that's 268-6211 for an appointment with the doctor and um, mention the Facebook live thing I would urge people to follow you on Facebook Um, you put really good accurate information up on the site and you do those chats are you planning on doing more of the uh, of the conversations the Facebook live events I'll try to do yeah I'm going to try to do at least a video once a day or every other day Mm -hmm. again to try main goal is to keep my patients informed but yeah the greater community that wants to watch the videos yeah the Facebook live is kind of an experiment for me I've never done that (laughs) before but I was even took me a while to figure out how to post the video from yesterday onto the the website but yeah I definitely will be keeping in touch so Mm -hmm. if people want to follow with that they can get some useful information you can always message the doctor there as well with questions and she can address them during one of those videos again advocatesdpc.com is the website advocatesdpc.com on Facebook just type in advocate Kit MD, and you'll find Dr. Hemkis there. You can also pick up phone, make an appointment with the doctor, 608-268-6211. That's 268-6211. Doctor, great seeing you. Thank you for all your great information, and stay healthy. You too, Sean. Dan O'Donnell comes your way next right here on 1310 WIBA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.